Hey, this is Sarah Marie, and you're listening to the Soul of Worship, Are You Making a Sound podcast. Here, we study the Word of God in an effort to get to know Him more deeply so we can worship Him more authentically. Welcome to part three of the Are You Battle Ready online Bible study series through the book of Ephesians. Today, we're going to be talking about how to walk worthy of the calling. You see, for the last two weeks, we've been reminding ourselves of our position as believers in Christ. We must live fully convinced by faith of the power that we have through the Holy Spirit that is alive in us. Now that we know how to stand, let's walk worthy of our calling. At the highest level, to walk worthy of the calling means to live ethically and morally by the leading of the Holy Spirit. It means to strive for ongoing maturity by the equipping of the Spirit. And it also means to help others move forward in love and in unity. If we follow these standards, we will see growth in the daily disciplines that are essential for us to live the victorious lives of spiritual warriors. According to Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, in order for the power of the Spirit to flow freely within us, we must first accept the disciplines of unity, purity, forgiveness, walking in the fullness of the spirit, and keeping our relationship and personal conduct in order. Let's first talk about unity. Let's jump into Ephesians chapter four, and I'm going to start off with reading verses one through six. And it says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, Beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. To walk worthy of the calling means that I should walk in humility, patience, gentleness, and generous love. These actions will, by faith, result in unity among all of us. Unity is our responsibility, and unity should be pursued earnestly. The Spirit is the source of our unity, the source of our peace, and the source of harmony with others. Walking by the Spirit means to allow the Spirit to overcome our natural tendency to be self-centered, self-serving, and dependent on ourselves alone. The Word tells us that we need to depend on God and live in peaceful fellowship with others. Jesus even prayed for our unity in John 17, 
Let me read verses 20 to 23 for you. It says, and this is Jesus speaking. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. You see, Jesus wanted all future believers to also be in unity with the Father as he was. Why? Jesus wants us to walk in unity so that our lives could be good reflections of Jesus's love and Jesus's mission. Let's jump back now to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's read from verses 7 through 16. And let's talk a little bit about walking in your gifting. So picking up in verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now that was Ephesians 4, 7 through 16. Spiritual gifts have been given by Jesus to equip the whole body of the church. The five ministry offices are assigned for the preparing, for the nurturing, for the strengthening, and the training of us all. The offices that are appointed for edification of the church are apostles, which are the first that are sent on a mission. Prophets, they deliver divine messages. Evangelists, a public preacher with the goal of conversion. Pastors, which are leaders and shepherds of a a particular church. And teachers, who are instructors of the word. Now, why do we have these ministries? 
every member of the body is given gifts to contribute to the growth of all. The gifts assist the body of Christ to mature in faith. Maturity leads to deeper roots in truth. I'm going to say that again. Maturity leads to deeper roots in truth. We will not be easily taken away by the wind of trial or by a wind of false teachings. When each part of the body does its share effectively, the whole church grows and the whole church is edified in love. This is the goal. This is the mission. This is the reason that we have these different ministries for the edification of the entire body. So it's important for us to walk in our gifting, to walk in what God has given us. So that way we can see the whole body grow and mature. Let's keep reading Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. And this gives us a little bit of how not to walk, okay? So picking up in 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This passage reminds us how we should not walk. We should not walk in the futility of our own mind, right? We should not walk on empty delusions or to walk without purpose. We are not to walk in the dark. We are not to walk away from God. And we are not to walk spiritually blind or in corrupted logic because of our spiritual apathy. We need to put all of that former conduct away. We need to put all of that behind us. The old man is a lifestyle that is dominated by the spirit of disobedience. But the new man, the new creation is a lifestyle of obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of being dominated by the spirit of disobedience, as believers in Christ, we need to be renewed by the power of the spirit. Being renewed by the spirit means that we change our way of thinking. Now that we have received the Holy Spirit's revelation of how he wants us to live, we make the choice to put on the new man and that new man is holy and that new man is righteous through Christ. Let's continue in Ephesians 4. 
reading now verses 25 to 32, and it says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. If we want to live victorious lives in spiritual battle, we cannot grieve the spirit. If we do, we will not feel peace. The joy of our salvation will be removed. Conviction and correction will come and we will need to repent in order to have our peace and our joy restored. A great example is from Psalm 51 when David repent from his sinful choices. Psalm 51 verses 10 through 12 say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And so according to Ephesians 4, 25 to 32, we must speak truth. We must make the deliberate choice to not sin, even when our emotions are high. We must never steal, but instead earn an honest living so that we can do what? Bless others. We need to speak only graceful words, which are good for edification, words that are for encouragement and for building others up. We must remove corrupt words from our mouths. Corrupt by definition means words that bring decay, that are rotten, that are foul tasting, that are foul smelling. Those corrupt words are bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Instead, let us choose to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving. Has Christ forgiven you? Has Christ been kind and tender with you? If so, and I know he has, graciously forgive one another and treat each other with kindness and compassion. I know that this is easier said than done, but that's why we have the spirit. That's why we must come and, and, and submit ourselves to the spirit so that we can say, Lord, in my flesh, I want to do all those other things, but I don't want to allow myself to be ruled by the flesh. I want to be governed by the spirit. 
This is something that takes daily seeking the presence of God. It takes intimate relationship. It takes true relationship with our helper, the Holy Spirit, to make these conscious decisions that we're going to choose to obey the Spirit and not be children of disobedience any longer. Now let's jump into Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 1 through 7 talk about walking in love. Let's pick up right there. Verse one says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Walking worthy of the calling means to walk in love. The scripture tells us to imitate the ways of God and the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave himself for us as the ultimate sacrifice. Following Jesus' example, may our words and actions also be sweet-smelling worship unto the Lord. We cannot walk according to the conduct of unbelievers. We must have nothing to do with sexual immorality, lust, or greed. We must guard our speech, choosing to forsake obscenities and worthless insults. They only bring disgrace, and they're truly unnecessary. Instead, our speech should be worshipful, and our speech should be life-giving to everyone who hears it. Continuing, In chapter 5, verses 8 through 14, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Walking worthy of the calling means to walk in light. Once our lives were full of sin's darkness, but now we have the light of the Lord shining through us because of our unity with him. We cannot share in any darkened lifestyle. There is no good fruit there. Instead, we should light up the darkness by revealing the truth. Walking in light means to walk in goodness, in righteousness, 
and in truth. And we also, we got to walk carefully. Let's keep reading in verses 15 to 21. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Walking worthy of the calling also means to walk carefully. The same way a person would walk through thorny woods, that is how cautiously we should walk. The passage also says that we should walk redeeming the time, which is to take full advantage of every opportunity to spend our lives for his purposes. In other words, We need to be watchful that we don't waste any of our time. We also see the reminder that we must not be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Intoxication causes a person to lose control of their behavior. And this is quite the opposite of how the Spirit wants us to behave. Our senses should be heightened by the discernment of the Holy Spirit and not dulled by the effects of alcohol. True joy isn't found at the bottom of a bottle of wine. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we will overflow with joyful worship. Our praise to God brings glory to his name and out of reverence for the name of Christ. Let us be effective, sober supporters of each other in love. Picking up in Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, it says, Now wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands. Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
Spirit-filled living influences and transforms all of our relationships, but especially our family relationships. Marriage is the beautiful design of the Almighty and a great and sacred mystery meant to be a vivid example of Christ and his church. Present-day women don't like to dwell on this passage often, but let's make sure that we don't misinterpret its meaning. Wifely submission means to be devoted to our husbands like we are devoted to the Lord. Husbands are to love their wives like Jesus loves the church with tender devotion. Therefore, both sides are to be devoted and gracious to each other in generous love. If we are called to be in perfect unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, how much more should we regard our spouse? A spirit-filled marriage will be able to withstand the test of time in the name of Jesus. So when we walk worthy of the calling, it means we also need to walk in spirit-filled relationships that represent God well. And now, let us choose to seek spiritual maturity and growth. Growing in godliness means learning to live a life that honors God and follows the example of Christ. May we live in such a way that our lives will be a sweet-smelling aroma that is pleasing to the Lord. Let's live in the love and light of Jesus. Let's walk in goodness and righteousness and truth. Let's seek to understand God's will for our lives. Let's be careful to live wisely, making most of our time and making most of the opportunities that we have. As we've read through Ephesians 4 and 5, let's walk worthy of the calling. And I want to leave you with one more set of verses. And this is actually from Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 12, and it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy giving thanks to the father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light so that's all i have for you today in part three of this study on ephesians Again, we walked through chapters four and five, and I encourage you to go back and read through these chapters and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart and for you to be reminded that these are the critical keys for us to walk worthy of the calling in order for us to be able to be victorious worshipers, warriors, of Christ. We not only have to know who we are, 
But then we got to know how to act and what we are to do on a day-to-day basis so that we can put ourselves in good position so that we can be effective warriors for Christ. As a reminder, this Bible study is available as a four-part PDF download on my online learning portal called The Workshop. To download this study with all of the notes and scripture references, please go to www.soulofworship.com forward slash workshop and join our community. The link is also in the show notes. Are you walking through a season of barrenness? Do you need to stir up spiritual growth in your life? In worship, are you making a sound? Author Sarah Marie Popolo shares praise and worship that will transform your walk with the Lord. You'll gain new insight into the powerful tool God has given you in worship. Walk through this 12-week Bible study and learn how to use your voice to declare God's promises over your life and watch your desert flourish into a garden of praise and triumph. Available at Amazon, your local bookstore, or at Trilogy.tv. All right, that's it for today's episode. Don't forget to follow the Soul of Worship ministry on Instagram and Facebook and join the email newsletter so you never miss out on new Bible study resources and live Bible study and worship events. Find it all on www.soulofworship.com. Until next time, keep on praising.